Welcome to Brews and Buzzwords, where we are talking today over our brews. Coffee from the coffee machine at work, which I haven't had in a year plus. Um, and our buzzword today is hustle culture. So I'm really excited to talk to George today about um, exactly what you think about hustle culture. And I think a little more of the angle of like anti-hustle culture, right? For sure. Okay. So um, my guest needs no intro, so let's let's go for it. I'm gonna I'm gonna start this conversation a little organically and ask if you remember when I was interviewing here and I asked you about your values. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, something that stands out to me to this day. Um, <clears throat> so, you were the first person that ever asked me about that, and we didn't. We'd obviously hired and we had staff, and um, but when you asked me about our values and my values and the company's values, it was really eye-opening because obviously we have, as human beings, we have certain values that we live by. Um, but as an agency, an organization, that had never been communicated out. So there was never anything documented or formalized yeah. to educate the staff on what we as an agency truthfully believe in. So it was awesome. It was it was a great spark that was required to yeah. formalize how we position ourselves, what we believe in, um, and that has I think um, been integral for the staff, the newer staff that have come since we hired since we hired you, right? Because now we understand what we stand for, and it's what well, we understand what we want to work towards and yeah. how we want to be treated as human beings in the organization. So I, I, I will never forget that day. Do you remember what your answer was though? Um, loosely, what, what, what did I say? I, <laughs> I I felt like it was a non-answer. Probably. It was like, we like to, we do good work and like we're, I'm, I, I'm a I, nice I, guy and like we're-, we're I think we that do, was it. I think that's- It was like, we have fun together too. I think that was <laughs> the answer. I think it was like, we're ethical. Yeah and moral and I'm a nice guy to people. And that was like- That was generally that, it. It was, ge yeah, it was generally it. But I, the flip side of that is with that non-answer, I still came to work here. And I think one of the things that resonated with me that people always said was that there's really good work-life balance here. Like for an agency, it's not a typical agency. So I was really told that like we, you know, most people are gone by five o'clock that everyone here has a family, so they really respect your boundaries. And um, if you have a ton of work to do, like everyone, everyone's willing to say like, I can help you even if they're a developer, even if they're a designer, they don't know what you do, like they're, they're willing to help. And I kind of thought, okay, sounds like a healthy balance to me. So I think that's a good lead in for what I think is one of your values. And like, we haven't really been able to reach that until the last couple of months, which is non-hustle culture. Absolutely. Go ahead. And, you know, as a, as a father of four kids yeah. and part of, part of my inability to define when you ask me my values, <laughs> yeah. because there was no sense of like the need for it because you just live it. You know, you, right. you tend to think that you're living a certain set of values uh, to respect others and all those sorts of things. But absolutely, one of our one of our, my core beliefs has always been, you know, again, as a father of four, I want to see my kids grow up and I don't want to be burning the midnight oil and not being 
uh, not missing it. I'm missing out on my kids' upbringing. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's super important to have that balance. So maybe we've gone too far already. How would you define hustle culture? And there, I think we've we've called it like hustle porn, hustle culture. Gonna avoid hustle porn so that we don't like mess with algorithms on YouTube. <laughs> but uh, how would you define it yourself? Um, I see hustle culture as as being a uh, a manipulation of truth and reality. Meaning, when you have tools like social media that allow you to put 15, 30 second snippets and basically you become, you put on a performance of how you want to be perceived. And that perception can be very toxic to those who are watching that particular moment in time that could be staged and faked, but to the to the person witnessing it, it sets a tone that in order to be successful, you need to grind 24-7. You need to forget about everything, all of the joys of life and only get fixated on this thing that you're working towards. Yeah. And a majority of the time, it's material. Yeah. And that, to me, is detrimental. And also, another layer on top of that is the fixation on numbers. So we do these conversations and we're not going to get millions of people to watch this. If they do, great. I hope they get something valuable out of it. But when you get fixated on the numbers of likes and the vanity shit, metrics, the vanity right? metrics, that to me is so toxic because if you can impact one person and give them one nugget of advice that they can now carry forward and implement, that in and of itself is gratifying and valuable. And you may never hear about it. Right. You may never know that you impacted somebody's life. That's So to imply that in order to be successful, you need to forego all of the other joys of life and only focus on the vanity metrics and burning out and working hard and that's the only way to be successful, I think that is very harmful. It's like this entire thing of like glorifying busy, of making it really like, I think I wanted to talk about how on your side of things, the last video you did, you said it, it looks like the guy that rents a jet and is like, I got this jet and like my business is doing this well and we're pulling like this many tens of thousands of dollars, like here's my luxury vehicle and everything. Um, what I see in like my corners of the internet is really frequently this, um, be your own boss, like em empower yourself, have a side hustle. Like you can have it all. You can have your kids, you can earn more. And then there's, there's this whole Sheryl Sandberg lean in of like, this is what a successful entrepreneur's morning looks like. And it's like, I get up at 4 a.m. after sleeping for two hours and mm -hmm. I, I manage to work up. 150 hours a week. And, you know, because of that, I'm a millionaire. Like. That's the culture I think that we're kind of fed right now that is this picture of success and that you have to work towards. Yeah, and I think what the other, it's the thing that I, I struggle with and you know, I can't claim to know how information is digested by you or how I consume information and how that resonates with me. Yeah. What, we, what I would love to, if I were a teacher or if I could give 
any sort of guidance to anybody. It'd be like, put everything in context. And I think that's a part that we're missing because when you're being fed that in order to be a woman boss or a good boss as a woman or as a man, like, I don't know, maybe that is something you want. Maybe it's something that you do want to strive to be successful as a woman in an industry that's not predominantly women or isn't predominantly, a, you know, whatever, a certain race or believes in certain things. It's so hard to um, criticize like Sheryl Sandberg. It's hard to criticize. Maybe that's what she wants and that's what yeah. she deems is important for her to be successful. But then to um, position that as the only way, as the only thing that is gonna allow you to be successful is by doing these steps. Take these steps to be successful. Right. It's a hard thing to swallow and it's also a difficult conversation to have. Well, I think that the the Sheryl Sandberg lean in thing, the the critique around that was that, okay, like you have help. You have the privilege of having X amount of stature in life already in order to accomplish these things. And what that kind of brings to mind to me is like this dumb Pinterest quote that's like, you have as many hours in a day as Beyonce. Yeah, of course I have the same hours a day as Beyonce, but I'm also not able to have help and have established a career and have all the things that she has to, in order to accomplish what she has now, right? So you're in a different path and like to isolate something into like a pretty little inspirational sentence like that is like demeaning of like a lot of people's places in life. But let me ask you, you have the same hours as Beyonce and yeah. so do I, Yeah. right? Do you want what she has? Is that what you're aspiring for in your life? And that's the question too, because the, the, the whole question of hustle culture is like, what are we all striving towards in this hustle? Like, what is that ideal of success, right? So how are you measuring it? For sure. So I, one of the things that I think, again, going back to context and understanding yeah. what you as an individual want, I would be a hypocrite if I said, when I see a post with a person driving a Lamborghini or a Ferrari yeah. is something that I don't want. Because I've grew, I love exotic cars. I always have as a kid. I used to work in an auto, auto, shop, auto shop. I love cars. I would love to own a car. Does yeah. that mean that I would leverage that car as, or by having that car, that is my idea of what success is and I have to work endless days, endless hours, miss out on, we talked about a picnic this morning. Yeah. I couldn't go to that picnic because I had to grind and hustle and I missed out on that micro moment that I could have enjoyed, but I put that aside because in order for me to have that exotic car, I need to miss out on other things in my life and I only I only can work to be successful. I'm of like me contextually if I'm able to one day get an exotic car, I don't want to I don't want people to I don't want to sacrifice things in my life to get there. Yeah. So if I get there, I get there and I'll be very happy with it because it's something that I've always wanted. You on the other hand, you may want something else. I don't want to be Beyoncé. I don't. Yes, we have the same amount of hours. But 
and I don't have the support that she does. Great, but that's okay. That's cool. That's, but for somebody outside of Beyonce, somebody aside from Beyonce to say you're not Beyonce is wrong, in my opinion. Only Beyonce can say that if she's if you're having a conversation with her <laughs> and asking her how do I become Beyonce. Yes. <laughs> and was that long-winded? It's just so much of Beyonce. It's just Beyonce, 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 and uh, she's great. Yeah, but it reminds me of the Office quote where Michael says, "I am Beyonce always." <laughs> um, but like, I I was prepping for this. I was reading this one article. Um, it was a New York Times one, and I think it was titled "Why Why Are Millennials Pretending Like They Love Work." Like, I think that was the title. Some, Google something along those lines. Um, and I think that opens this massive conversation around the fact that we are basing this a lot around social media and what we're pushing as an idea of like what our life looks like, right? So why are we always like, I love Monday, hustle hard, rise and grind. Like, why is there that principle throughout this whole generation? I think the article kind of concluded that, you know, myself being a millennial, like we, graduated into this massive recession. It was hard to find work. There's questions about like gig economies and like, do millennials love having gigs? And I would say, no, we, we don't fucking like having gigs. We like to be in a salary where we have benefits, where we have that security. The gig part of it is that we are desperate to make money because of how unaffordable real estate is and how much student debt we're in. But I think what the article kind of encompassed was like, we also understand how to brand ourselves. So there's this whole sense of like, if you brand yourself well online, that's gonna set you up for a good job, good careers, and to be sought after and to, to be able to find that security that's gonna get you, I don't know, in the end, hustle for a great career, more money. Like, I don't know what. And this is, goes back to like, it is a complicated thing to unravel. Yeah. Because you, you in your statement there, you even said, like, real estate is so expensive. Mm -hmm. Does that, so to you, real estate is important. Having ownership of property perhaps is important. So perhaps that's something that you want to strive for. There could be other millennials that don't necessarily care for real estate. I know a lot of millennials, I'm a Gen Xer, mm -hmm. but I know a lot of millennials that are quite content with rental. They would prefer to rent. They don't want the responsibility of ownership. And perhaps that is a point in their life that they are in. But going back to hustle culture to imply that the only way you can feel gratification and satisfaction is by living in an 18,000 square foot mansion with a helipad. Yeah. And that's what is gonna get you happy in life is is wrong but then the conflicting part is you i read an article the other day as well about the the i think the title was and i'm paraphrasing here because i forgot exactly but it was like <laughs> i would rather be i would rather be rich and unhappy than poor and unhappy and it's like okay so the article goes into like why wealth is important and yada 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 but it's like would you rather be poor and happy if you were not wealthy mm -hmm. but happy would you rather that right. have that than being really really wealthy and unhappy like what is the what is the essence of life what is it all about so and as you get are older we, are we getting towards the fact that 
this really unhealthy part of hustle culture is really that a lot of what is cookie cutter out there is telling you that this is what success looks like. Like th- success is the mansion and the private jet and all of that. And like, do you think it's being fed enough to people that they're like, yes, this is what success looks like. And they're not measuring it on any other metric of their own. I think that that's the dilemma, but it's also like generalizing it too much because truthfully, I love coming to work. Mm-hmm. Honest, honest answer. If somebody were to say, do you love what you do? I'd say, yep, I do. I love what I do right now. Mm-hmm. Six months from now, I might be like going through something and you could ask me that question and it may be a different answer. Maybe I'm stressed out. Maybe there's too much going on. But overall, from the day the agency started to this moment right now, I've loved the industry we're in and what I do. And yeah, I work hard. I do put a lot of hours in here and there. I try to have my boundaries, which I think are important, but I don't get fixated. And maybe this is just a getting older thing. Maybe I value life a little differently now because of circumstances that surround my life. And as my parents get older and as I have friends who have fallen ill, you start to get better perspective on what's important in life. If you were to ask me at 18, what was important to me, and you'd ask me now in my 40s, what's important, it's two different things. But the foundation of what's important to me has always stayed the same. Being, going back to what's your values, yeah. being a good person, yeah. having good morals, having good ethics, treating people like you would want to be treated. Those are like foundational to me in my whole life. So if I can do that and I could give myself a sense of comfort and be happy, me happy, not you happy, not the camera guy happy, me happy, that's important to me. And if I can share that with others, if I can make others around me happy, through things I can do and I have the means to do, there's nothing better in life. It doesn't, I don't need, if I get a mansion one day, great, but I don't need it. Like it's, right. you know? I think one of the things about um, like hustle and how deeply it's ingrained in culture is it creates like workaholism, right? Yes. And that workaholism is, is this dynamic that says that, okay, you're worth, As an employee, of course, as an employee, like you are going to be measured by your productivity, but it seeps into your everyday life, right? So like then your productivity feels like, okay, what's the ROI on me watching something on Netflix or like listening to a podcast? So then you start to, I think, trickle into things where it's like, if I'm going to listen to a podcast or read a book, it better be about my career. It better be something that's going to advance my productivity. So it, it can get into this place where you feel like everything that you have to do outside of work has to be productive as well. And I, I think I've been in that like a few years ago even, where <clears throat> everything kind of had to have an output. And that is so draining and it leads to just burnout because you never feel like you're off the clock. I think we have a serious problem where we don't, appreciate getting bored. Yeah. Boredom is no longer allowed. You have to do something every single minute of your day. 
even in your sleep, you're being trained on what you should be, how you should condition yourself to sleep, to have certain types of sleep in order to be successful. Yeah. And it's like, pump the brakes here for a second. We're human beings. We have emotions. We have yeah. things that, yes, sleep is important. Yes, um, productivity is important for gratification if you enjoy what you do. Yeah. But we have a hard time with being bored. It is frowned upon when you are not producing. What the fuck is wrong with being bored and doing nothing? Being mindless is not acceptable anymore. Right. And that is crazy to me because you are in overdrive from the moment you wake up, actually 24 seven, you're in overdrive now. You're not allowed to not be in overdrive. And mm -hmm. that is a fucking crazy way to live your life. Because yeah. if you can't take a moment to be bored and to just daydream, daydreaming, does nobody even uses the term anymore. It's gone. I grew up with daydream, go daydream. Yeah. The greatest moments, man, is like, you could just sit back and not have to think and worry and daydream and imagine. But to get to the point where you can daydream or turn it off or do anything, that's like your luxury vacation, right? It's like you have to earn that for some reason now. Yeah. I think the hustle is dehumanizing. I think we're fortunate in a way in our industry and I'll, and I'll explain. We have a lot of creative people in every discipline from marketers to designers and UX and developers and copywriters. And there is no fucking way that every morning a designer, a developer, a marketer, a writer, whatever discipline you're in, wakes up and says, today I'm going to be uber creative because my job insists that I am. Mm -hmm. You are going to have some rough patches through your day and you should not be judged on a few of those days. You should, you know, if you're having a rough patch, there's probably something external impacting your ability to produce because we brought you on because you have disciplinary and you have skills and a craft and you enjoy the industry that you've embraced and you're part of. So as an employer, your expectation is that these individuals come to work and yes, they produce, but they get gratification of what they're producing. It's we're not robots. Mm -hmm. We cannot wake up every morning and be like, today I'm going to do the best design. Today I'm going to do the best digital marketing strategy I've ever done. And tomorrow I'm going to come back to work and do an even better digital marketing strategy. It's fucking impossible. And that's like this productivity trap. The right. expectation that you, as a human that's being paid for your labor, your services, are functioning at 100% for exactly 40 hours every week. Right. Or 60, or right. however many to, in order to produce, right? And that, that part of it is just like, I think it brings us all the way back to that whole factor of, this is a good place to work because there is balance. Like there is a sense of like, when you're gonna stop things. Um, I think I want to talk about like our, our team norms because like that, the, your value of having, you know, not wanting to be too in, into hustle culture, I think a value leads into a norm, which is how a team behaves together. When we used to be in the office, really like people would be leaving at three o'clock, four o'clock, five o'clock, like trickling out of the office, but it's because we did start early and everything. There's a sense of 
we don't stay on the clock after hours as well. And that's been hard for me to teach some of our employees that came from other agencies where they're like, oh yeah, I'll just like answer some emails 6 p.m. tonight, 11 p.m. I'll answer on the weekend and stuff. Like setting that boundary is a really important part of like stopping that hustle and like creating that culture, right? How would you say you influence creating that culture in this workplace? Um, <clears throat> it's interesting because you, you learn a lot from your colleagues. You, you truth, truthfully do. Like, I enjoy what I do. So if there's an opportunity where my kids may be in bed or I want to check in on something, I still have a curious mind. So I don't want to beat myself down when I reply to an email at eight o'clock at night, because I feel like, you know, that's going to get me some satisfaction because I'm answering a question or I feel like I'm getting ahead for my next day. But I really try to maintain boundaries because my joys in life go beyond perhaps the dollar. I mean, listen, money's important. There's no question. We live in North America and it's expensive, especially in Toronto. It's an expensive place to live and raise kids. So we need finances to be able to supplement that. But, you know, going back to learning from my colleagues, I mean, you were really, you know, instrumental in setting boundaries and talking, talking about conversation. Why do you set boundaries? Well, because of X, Y, and Z. Okay, it's interesting. I've never, I've never really heard anybody put that perspective on things. Let me try it, right? The practice that I've gotten into recently because of boundaries, and I think you, it was either you or somebody in the agency was like, hey, you know, you can schedule and send emails. <laughs> I think it was you. I think it was yeah, at your desk. I do it all the time. Yeah. Sorry, clients. Like, you can do that. I didn't yeah. even know that there was a drop down to schedule an email. Yeah. So now I'm super respectful of like when I send an email after hours, because I do check my emails, I'll schedule to send it the next morning at eight o'clock. Yeah. Because I don't want to bother somebody's personal time. Yeah. You're not robots. You have families, you have kids, you, ha you have things you want to do. Right. And you shouldn't be distracted by, oh shit, my boss just sent me an email and now I have to stop my everything I'm doing to, to get back to them. Yeah. And I do the same thing with clients, truthfully. Like I will schedule responses back to clients. So it's the next morning. So if they're busy doing whatever they're doing after hours in life, let them deal with it the next morning. Yeah. You know? That's what I say that, like, to staff too. I'm like, you don't have to check your emails on weekends. Yeah. But I know like phones are set up for alerts. Like you'll get notifications. I don't know if people have their Slack notifications on. So like doing it from like the sender side is like, it's nice, right? It's super, it's super <laughs> I nice. I did just Sunday. I was sending you an email on like Sunday afternoon. I was like, no, I, I scheduled it for like Monday, 5 a.m. or something. Yeah, I got <laughs> and it. I was, yeah. yeah. And I was like, afterwards, I saw you were like in the pool and everything. I was like, I'm glad I did that. <laughs> well, it's, it's cool. Again, for me, I think, going back to the person. Yeah. Like I'm okay with it, but I set my boundaries. So I have certain boundaries. I don't I don't declare to have them written down anywhere so that there's this grand declaration of George's hours are X and here are his rules. Yeah. And only conduct yourself this way when you're working with George. And here are Sylvia's declarations and only conduct like everybody has their boundaries and they're yeah. different than one another's. Um, so I appreciate, we, you know, we have staff that, you know, sometimes 
it's like 9 30 10 o'clock and you're like um where are they but you know you'll get an email from them at seven o'clock at night yeah or eight o'clock and that's cool if that's kind of like how they want to conduct themselves yeah the expectation from the other end shouldn't be that i'm going to now respond to you immediately you have if somebody sets certain boundaries yep. but you start picking up on people's individual boundaries right and yeah, understanding exactly. how people operate i know that you're very um keen on like i have my boundaries and i put in my hours and i work hard during the day and i produce yeah but you know when it's my time it's my time and i love that and i know that because i've worked with you as long as we have now yeah you start to learn people's habits you know and some of our other staff like i know that i can get a hold of them later on in the day or wherever yep I try not to because I want to respect their boundaries too, but I know that if there was push come to shove and I needed help, they'll be there to help. Yeah. You know? But it's only in emergency certain situations. Exactly. And that was like a big part of uh trying to even like write out team norms to push out this idea of, hey, we're not about this like hustle, work all the time and you'll be rewarded for working yourself to death, right? Right. Cause I think the thing that it leads to is without boundaries, resentment. And yes. like that resentment really comes, becomes like, you know, just feeling like work isn't worth it anymore. Like it, it just creates burnout and everything. And I, I found that like that's happened to me in the past and I'm, I am hard on boundaries, even with staff. So like I, I had somebody that said like, I'm taking this day off, but I'm gonna come to these meetings. And I was like, I'm drawing a hard line. And like, if it's your day off, like I, I don't even want you at those meetings because I just don't want this like, slippery slope to happen where everyone else feels like that's the expectation at all or that I want that from everyone. So let me spin so, it on you. Yeah. Because this happened recently with you. Yeah. Right? I Remember? did it too. It was a couple weeks I ago. I did it too. We had a Friday. You had it off. Yep. And it was an 11 o'clock meeting. Yeah. And I was like, I'll handle it. You're like, no, no, I'll pop in. Yep. And I was like, okay. That was, but yep. that was a decision you made, right? Exactly. Like, it wasn't like I was insisting that you had to be there. Yep. And this is where I get to like, I don't want to tell you how to do it. I will be. I understand that there are boundaries. I'm like you. If somebody's got a day off, take it the fuck off. I know. And go enjoy. Oh, I did that, and then like I was like, shit. I'm setting an example here, and that's why I was like, I'm drawing a hard line. And I'm like, once I draw that line, though, like I'm like, I can't do that anymore. I'd be a hypocrite. <laughs> but like I was really like, that's your day off, and like I'm not gonna listen. Don't let I, that. I appreciated that because we, yeah. you know, how important that meeting was for us. Yeah, that was the big presentation yeah. and solidifying the new opportunity with that client. So I valued that a lot. And what that leads to, in my opinion, if you are somebody with ethics and morals. When your staff approach you the next time when they need that extra time off, you got to remember those moments. Yeah. And you got to reward them and accept that they want that extra couple hours off without penalizing them and saying, go book it on a vacation time or whatever. Like give them, give back what they're giving you. And I think, you know, going back to like hustle and grind and it's always just about work. It has to be about humanity and understanding the individual. Yeah. So. You know, our culture here, you know, we're very like, we're flexible and you know, you need an extra couple hours or day. Yeah. Cool, man, like whatever. I know you're gonna put, you've earned it. Yeah. But that's the other thing is like, earn it. Like, don't expect it, earn it and then take it. Nobody's yeah. gonna criticize you. 
to come in day one and just be like, give it to me because of a title or because of seniority and because of whatever, that to me is all a crock of shit. Earn it, come in, work, earn it. And if, you are, if you're working for an organization that values what you put in and values those additional moments, thank the employee, thank them for that. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a thank you, which is good enough for me if somebody thanks me for something, or that flexibility to take that additional time in lieu of what they put in on a day off. Yep. You know, be mindful of all those moments that they've put in that they didn't have to, right? I think that's a huge part of it in in leadership is being able to communicate that like you're not just going to be rewarded for working excessive hours, excessive overtime because it's about quality over quantity, right? Like of I'm course. not expecting like overtime all the time or just grinding just because you need to or proving that you're on the clock and just like sitting there. Like we're not looking for people to like seat warm during a time. It's I- actual output yeah i think i think if you're going into an organization and it's full of staff that are resentful um i can't imagine what that does for those individuals physical and mental health because all you're asking you're 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 treating them like cogs they're just there to output and you're not appreciating that they have families and life issues and they have their own desires. And if you're not helping them achieve that, man, I would hate to come in every day and be surrounded by toxicity and a bunch of staff that are hate their jobs and are resentful and are treated like a, a number. Yeah. They're not even being called out by their name. Yeah. You know, um, that would be such a depressing place to come and work. And so this goes back to like talking about if you're talking about values, you don't, you know, for us, we'll never, I never want to be a hypocrite. I've said it a million times inside our doors. And it's like, if I'm misbehaving a certain way, my expectation is that my team calls me out. I want to be called out. If Mm -hmm. I'm, if I'm saying something that, is acceptable for me, but nobody else, I want to be called out because that's not right. Mm -hmm. You know, we're here, we spend a lot of time together. I mean, you're, you're spending eight to 10 hours a day with the same faces. And you want to be mindful of the fact that those people around you have their own lives too. And to say, no, you're going to work till midnight tonight because I need this done. Some people may be okay with that because they know there's a deadline and we've committed to a client and whatever, but it cannot be the norm. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. So have you dealt with burnout before? Um, it's, it's an interesting question. I don't, I don't know that I've... I've always felt like no matter what I do, I want to give it my all. Yeah. So... I don't know what burnout is. I, and I think that's the only way I can describe I know that I've been stressed mm-hmm. and I've probably come close to burnout, but it wasn't because of the work. 
Yeah. Because I enjoy the work. I think people, if if mis if you're mistreating people, and then it starts to breed resentment and negativity, which ultimately leads to toxicity. You feel stressed, which can lead to burnout. I don't think I've ever been in a position where I've been given a task that needs to be done, whether it's at the agency or in my previous careers. When I've taken a project on and I, there was expectations around delivery, I delivered. Yeah. Um, because I enjoyed what I did for the most part, and the places that I didn't enjoy what I did, I left. Yeah. You know, I was like, this wasn't for me. Um, or I just didn't do the work and wished to get fired. <laughs> um, but I don't, I don't, I don't think I've ever been burned out because of work. I think I've been close to burning out because of toxicity. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, I was like in relation to what you're saying before about like being treated like a number, being treated like you know for your productivity and seen as someone that's just an output, right? Like I know you've worked a lot of service jobs when you were younger, like I have too. And there's this whole sense of like, exactly when you clock in, that's like the minute that you get, start getting paid, especially mm -hmm. like in hourly wages. But then from the employer, they're like, make sure that you come in 10 or 15 minutes earlier and they ask you not to clock in before you're in, right? So there's this like whole like time theft factor where it it's uh, from whatever head office that's hiring you. I don't care about the part-time employer and I think that's kind of where there's high turnover often because you aren't treated like a person at all. It's interesting. I've been in those roles where I had to come in early, not yeah. clock in because yeah. payroll starts rolling exactly. um, the moment you do clock in. Um, I think, you know, again, using, using experiences as a means of understanding how you apply what you've learned in life is really important. So I've been in those rules. Mm. Don't clock in. You're on the clock at nine. Don't right. be a minute late. You have a lunch for 30 minutes. Don't be a minute over 30. Yeah. You have two 15 minute breaks. Yep. That shit was so messed up to me. It's like, I get two 15s. What if I need like a third just to like stretch my legs? Yeah. No, you know, it was like, you're at your desk. And it was like messed up, kind of a really messed up way to treat a human being like, yeah. You're on a leash at a desk and we'll release the leash when you have your 15 and when you got to plug back in and it's like... And that's like the seat warmer concept. It's like you yeah. just, you have to be there in case, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, for, for us, obviously as a business, you want production and productivity, but I go back to like, you can't possibly be as a human being, especially with all that going on in the world, like 24 seven, grind, grind, grind. You yeah. will you will ultimately, you, you'll probably kill yourself. Like you will get to a point where you're unhealthy and you don't even realize it, like either mentally or physically unhealthy. Like you got to get up and stretch your legs. That's the burnout thing. It's like, it creeps in on you sort it of really thing, right? It really does. So it's, like, you don't realize it, but you're just like, huh, I got a sink full of dishes. And it's like little things that fall through the cracks that, mm -hmm. that's burnout. Um, we started having like more conversations around mental health and like awareness of that. And I think like it's been, really top of mind for us recently, more because of COVID and this like mandate to completely work from home, right? Like that con connection, trying to make sure that we're staying on top of things. Um, tell me more about like your thoughts on everything around mental health and like 
keeping that in mind for staff? Yeah, so you know, like one of the first things we implemented was um, our huddles, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, one of the fundamental um, human factors to, to, to have enjoyment in life is connection. Human connection is like foundational, right? Uh, for your health. And um, with that being kind of taken away from us, it was tough, man. It was like, shit, what do we do? Mm-hmm. And the huddles were conceived so that we could have the opportunity to just shoot the shit, get stuff off our chest, talk about what we were doing that night, the day before, the weekend, kids, whatever. We, you know, we talk about everything, right? Um, and also, like, as the pandemic, speaking about the pandemic, as it got further and further in and the waves yeah. and all the news coming out about how terrible this thing was, you know, you saw the impact that it had on our staff. Having four young kids at home, I, I see the impact it's had on them, you know, yeah. like kids should not be with their parents this much, my belief. Kids need to go out and get in trouble, mm-hmm. stir shit up, yeah. fall, get up, play with their other friends. Um, adults need to do the same. They need to be with other people. And as things got further down and as winter came and I saw I saw benefit to the huddle but I saw how it was impacting others and how difficult it was for certain people in our organization to deal with the lack of connection mm-hmm. so um, to compound that by adding another layer I couldn't even imagine if it was if we were the type of agency that was like be at your seat if you're not on slack if I can't get a hold of you between nine and five, that's warning one. Like to put that additional pressure on people yeah. during a time like this and not have that human approach of like how I would want to be treated. Listen, if I had an hour or two where I needed a mental break to be able to go for a walk, and a lot of us do, and I encourage yeah. it almost on every huddle, like go get sunshine and go for a walk, just get some fresh air. It, I don't know how I don't know how we would have all gotten through this, and I'm grateful that a lot of us have been able to support each other in that regard. Mm-hmm. To to and with the understanding that we we treat each other as human beings first, and the work comes second, and the production of the work will, in my opinion, be that much better always. Yeah. If you treat human beings as human beings first. And how like. How weird is it that that seems like a radical statement? Yeah. To say that, like, in a workplace, you're first treated like a human, second treated like, okay, let's get the work done. Because I think we, I think the stories from little companies like ours don't get out. You hear the production plants and the enterprises and the Amazons and you hear the stories. No bathroom breaks. No bathroom breaks. Go as fast as you can. Yeah. And it's like, man, like, what? what is the state of mind and again this is it's a difficult thing to talk about because perhaps that line worker at the plant enjoys enjoys it and is like i'm doing this because i'm making my kids lives better and i I get gratification for what i produce i know a lot of um not a lot i know a few people who work in the auto plants and they're literally like they sit there and they do the same four things all day. Yep. 
but they get satisfaction at the end of the day when they know they had a small piece of that car being built. That mm-hmm. was part of them is in that car. Yeah. And that's their takeaway, right? So I can't dismiss that, but as organizations, I think most are trying to do things to make their the lives of their employees better. But I think there's still a lot of organizations that could care less. It's all about the shareholder. Right, and they put their values in place just to be like, this is kind of like our generic values. And but they I think don't we see it a them. lot. We see it a lot because we're often the ones asking organizations, like, what are your values? And we see like the same ones all the time and they, they can get kind of genericized, right? For sure, and I think the one thing when, you know, after, you know, um, bringing you on board and, you know, going through probably what, a couple of years of values exercises. Yeah. Like it took for us to really help define them. Yeah. Um, the one thing that always stood out to me personally, can't remember what book it was in, but I was reading a story about a CEO who was a new CEO, went into an organization. They had a, a list of values and immediately those values weren't being lived because it wasn't appealing to the shareholders. Like there was something going on. When we created our values, one of the things that I wanted to stand firm on is that I myself have to live and breathe those values. And I can't dismiss the exercises we went through and all that work we went through to kind of really hone in Mm -hmm. on the values. So if we're not living and breathing these values, they're just words, they mean nothing. And I think that's the problem with a lot of these big enterprise. Yeah, values, yeah, they're written. They're always transparency and then like nobody knows what's going on. Nobody knows what's right? going on. And, right. And, um, you know, yeah, it's it's like you need to live and breathe them. And you need to be called out on them when you're not living and breathe them. And you need to accept the fact that your staff should be allowed to call you out regardless of title. Right. You know, and if one of our value, you know, if we're we want to be treated like humans and we're treating people like robots, somebody needs to be called the fuck out. And it has to be management or leadership or whatever, the top. You got to call that person out and you can't be fearful of calling them out. Mm -hmm. The problem is in these big enterprises, they're fearful because they're going to lose their job, which is most of the time. It's like a power dynamic thing. Like you just can't. Huge power dynamic. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I think like a value like being against hustle culture is really anti it's anti-entrepreneur, right? Like it's like a little bit, it's against the grain. You know what I mean? And I think with something like this value in particular, you have to lead by example so frequently. Otherwise people don't believe you. For sure. You might be putting it out there, like one of those empty values. And everyone in terms of staff needs to see like, is George doing this? Is leadership actually doing this? Or are they like, joking around yeah because as soon as like you're like okay like let's take this flexibility seriously and like they get in trouble for it like it does have to come from the top right i think so i think it has come from um it can't just be words on a screen it -hmm. it cannot be it has to be lived and it has to be respected um across the board and again you know there are moments there's no doubt that there are times where i will work on a weekend because I've got deliverables that I committed to. So I put that pressure on myself. And that's okay, I did that. I didn't, but I will not 
insist that somebody else needs to do that same thing. Now, you may say, you know what? I'm going to put in some time on the weekend. I don't need to tell the whole world, but I just want to feel like I get this done. Yeah. That, that's your decision. Yeah, I do it, it very secretly. Should, <laughs> well, it shouldn't be forced upon you mm -hmm. um, because that would go against the values that you've defined, right? So um, it's complicated, but I think the non-complicated part is just being um, truthful yeah. to the values. Mm -hmm. Like you wrote them down, live and breathe them, respect them and respect that other people want, have come to the organization because you've made, we have made that declaration. It's on our website, it is public. So when we're attracting new potential colleagues of ours, yeah. much like you who didn't know what our values were and asked, now they know. Mm -hmm. So if they come in and they trust you, they are taking that leap of faith to come to your organization because you've declared these values and then you are a hypocrite and you go against everything you've positioned yourself as, that's fucking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> That's all there's to. It's just terrible. It's fucking terrible. <laughs> I think like the even for, to further complicate and bring in a whole new factor here, is there ever a risk of like being anti-hustle culture and saying like we don't want to like work ourselves to the bone? That being a bad position for clients, like for clients to see that. If so, then they're not the right clients for you. That's what I believe in. Like if people don't value that you have boundaries. Yeah. If people don't value that clients aren't buying you 24/7. And clients aren't even buying you. Yeah. They're not. You don't no client of ours owns us. They work with us. They partner with us. They trust us because of our intellectual property, because of the fact that we we do work hard and we can accommodate and get what they're looking for done in the hours that we operate. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. That's it. And if they cannot respect that, and I say it all the time, there's the door. <laughs> there's no shortage of agencies in the world, no shortage of design and marketing firms. Yeah. Find somebody else. This is us. Yeah. And I think that's like something that we've learned to do early on in client relationships to set the right tone. Right. Is to just say, Account management-wise, like these are our office hours, only because we work in a few different time zones now. And telling, you know, nine to five Eastern being our time zone is just like, that's when you can definitely reach us. You'll definitely get an email in 24, 48 hours, whatever our standard is. Um, that setting the tone at the start can be an uncomfortable or like maybe like, to some people it feels like an obvious answer. Like to say like, reach us nine to five, here's my email and here's my phone number. It's obvious, but it sets the boundary right from the start to say like, this is how we're going to have a healthy communication relationship at the start of it, right? Yeah, and, and I think people respect you for that. Because well, in a it, remote world, it's so confusing. It's like, where do I reach you? Is it Slack? Is it phone? Do I have to pre-schedule? Do like, how often are you going to hate me if I email you all the time? Like, which, what are your boundaries for communication? I would be hard pressed to think, and maybe I'm naive, but I, I would be hard pressed to assume most people don't value their own personal time. Yeah. So I would suspect that if I have that notion in my head that people respect their personal time, right. 
they would respect my personal time as well. It's not to say like I will bust my ass during the day and if push come to shove and I couldn't get something done, I'll make sure it gets done. If I committed to, to having it done today, then I'll bust my ass to make sure it gets done today if it means I have to work till eight, nine o'clock at night. But that will not be the norm. Right. I will not make that the norm. Yeah. You know, that is something that I committed to, assuming I can get it done and I couldn't, but I don't want to retract from my commitment. Now, that's the nice thing about having a boundary because once you say we work nine to five, when you cross it and people are aware of it, they see that you're going above and beyond and that that's not the norm. Right. And also by them knowing your hours and your boundaries, it also gives you the opportunity because you now know that they respect you, you respect them, gives you the opportunity to go back to them with confidence and say, I apologize, I thought I can get this done today. Is it okay if I can, is an extra day good? You start to build a good rapport. Yeah. It doesn't happen a lot with us, to be honest. Like I don't even remember the last time I couldn't follow through on a commitment and where I had to you know, grind 24 seven to get something done. It's just, we get stuff done and because, and if we can't, we have such great relationships because trust has been built to say, I'll get it to you tomorrow, I apologize. And that's the interesting thing. Once you work with clients, that see you as humans and understand that like they're just people working with people and we're creating relationships and communities, you don't get that like endless amount of output that you have to create for people or like a demand that, you know, your numbers have to be growing every single month. It's just being practical and looking at what's like practical to accomplish. Yeah, and I think we do a really good job at positioning a lot of that early on. We educate, we're good educators too, right? Like here's our boundaries, here's our hours. Here's what you can expect. Here's the output we're anticipating. We've done our due diligence. We've looked at metrics, like all that stuff. And we can deliver in the hours that we've got. We don't need yeah. anymore. We know that we can do what we, we want to output for you in the hours that we operate. So it, it, it doesn't, I, and maybe every industry is different and it's unfortunate, but the critical part of it is, you know, going full circle at the back to you know, hustle culture, if you've positioned your organization as an organization that just hustles and grinds 24 seven, I suspect you're gonna have a lot of burnout. I suspect it's good, but you may not also, like it's again, difficult to appreciate. Maybe that is, maybe those are called go-getters, you right. know, I don't know. You know, maybe you wanna hire a group of go-getters. I think we have a group of eight players here um, that, understand boundaries, but also understand how to deliver. Yeah. You know, and that's a beautiful balance to have. It's a hard balance to find. And like, I think our first take at doing values, we named this, this value that we are sharing right now, work hard, play hard. Right. <laughs> and you were just <laughs> like, I fucking hate that. You're like, no, thank you. Please don't name it that. So cliche. I used to hear that all the time. And I think why I hated it was because I heard it so much, but it was like, there was no play. It was work hard, dot, dot, dot. Well, where's the play hard part come in? Yeah. And then that made that term really yucky to me. I was like, right. yeah. Well, cause then you're working hard and you're like, do I even want to play yeah. with these people or? Right, <laughs> right. So I would say the, the, the one big takeaway um, from my experiences and if I can share my knowledge is 
if you treat people like people and humans and not tools or robots, um, not only will the satisfaction of your life become much more gratifying and better, um, the people you're working with on a daily basis, their lives are gonna improve too. I, I fundamentally do believe that. Um, you know, people don't wanna be treated like disposable. You know, they have emotions and they have needs and desires and aspirations. And if you give them that opportunity and speak to them and nurture those opportunities, the output you're gonna get is gonna be that much better. That would be my biggest takeaway is really treat people as if you would want to be treated. Well said. If you stay till the end, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. Leave a like, comment, or subscribe, and join us for more brews and buzzwords coming soon. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know? And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com.